Hey, everybody, go ahead and find a seat if you would. Go ahead and find a seat. My name is Jeff Baker, and I am uh, one of the pastors on staff here. I have a massive um, statement to make. I want to say hello to all of those that are worshiping with us out in our North Platte venue today. We've got a tremendous amount of people. Yeah. We, we, uh, we just put people on vans and sent them out there at 845. They will be worshiping with us at 1045 out there. And there's going to be a large group of people that are out in uh, North Platte today. Uh, we're kind of doing a, a trial run of our service out there today. And we are getting out into the community and we're serving. Before we ever ask people to come through our doors, we're taking our front doors to them. And we're going to do the same thing here in Kearney. Um, and then some of the surrounding communities. We're going to take our front doors, our welcoming doors. We're going to take our, our warm and welcoming kind of an atmosphere. We're going to take it out into our community today. We're going to serve people and let them know that we aren't just a church that expects you to come to us. We're a church that loves you enough that we're going to go to you. And we're giving up our Sunday to do it. Amen? <clears throat> come on. So that's why we've called it a worship rally today. Right? It's not just a worship service. This is a rally. Can you feel the excitement in the place today? Right. You want to know why? It's because you know you have a purpose. You see so many of these step out and and serve shirts on. You've got a purpose today. You need to know that every time you come here on a Sunday, you have a purpose. And that purpose is to worship God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? And to love others as you love yourself. Those are the two greatest things we're commanded to do. So come here every Sunday with a heart that desires to worship God with everything inside of you and bring as many people with you as possible. All right? Wow. All right. So I want to help you today. I want to help you today be excited about Jesus. I don't think I'm going to have to do a lot to make that happen. All right? But that's one of my roles today. I want to help you be excited about Jesus. I want to help you have a reason to display God's love to this amazing communities that God has put new life in. I want to help us do that. I also want to help you uh, be excited, right? Be excited about sharing the truth of Jesus to our world today. That's my goal. That's my goal. So to help you do that, I've got to get you to focus. Has anybody ever told you, you just need to focus more? Has anybody ever been told that before? right? You're you're distracted. You just need to focus more. Yeah, I know. I mean, if you have any level of ADD like I do, then people have to remind you, just focus, Jeff. And some people do that in very kind ways. Like, do you want me to close your door for you? That's what some of the staff do for me. (laughs) Basically, I know what they're saying to me. Uh, Do you want me to help you get something done today? (laughs) I'm like, okay. All right. I got, I got the point. So, yeah, if, you're, if you have any level of ADD like me, you know what I'm talking about. You get distracted. Like for me, I'm working on my computer, right? And I'm chunking away and I'm writing the best sermon ever. And then all of a sudden that notorious sound happens. Ding! What does that tell you? I got an email, baby. Right? I don't know who it's from. It might be from some catalog. It might be from someone important. You know, it might, be, it might be a spam, but my email went ding, and I'm right in the middle of like writing what the Holy Spirit wants me to write, and I'm like, whoop, squirrel, right? And I, <laughs> and I just have to go. I have to go see the email. Well, once I check the email, then now I'm distracted for the, like, the next five minutes. It takes me a little time to get back into the groove, and then I'm writing away, and then all of a sudden, ding, whoa, I gotta go check it, right? I don't know what it is about the ding. It just always gets me. It just keeps coming back. Or I could be working on a project. 
I mean, physically working on a project, and then I get a great idea. And it's, I don't have to hear the verbal ding. Sometimes it just happens mentally inside of my own head. And then I'm just working on something, and then, boom, I'm over here, and I'm working on something else. And I can get a few different projects going at the same time and really get nothing done. Isn't that amazing? Wow. I learned that from the government. They just said, when I, when I worked for the Air Force, they just said, look busy, look busy. And it's a curse. It's a curse. Now, we, we all have some level of this. So, wives, let me speak for you for a moment to your husbands, just for a moment, okay? Will you allow me to do that? All right, be gentle. Don't prod them with your elbow, all right? Please don't do that. But, guys, one of the things that we do that our wives have been wanting to tell us is you've got a kitchen project going on, you've got a bathroom project going on, you've got a bedroom project going on, and you've got a basement project going on. And what they want to tell us is this. Will you just get one of them done? Right? Would you just focus on one? Some wives are actually clapping. That's not what I was actually going for. But if that's your way of reinforcement, okay, all right, that's good. But wives, you do realize I can't just let you hang there, right, women? So I'm going to have to now t- take you and put you on the pedestal and address something that all of us as men have wanted to say for a long time. And that is stay focused. You can start a conversation. It can last for 10, 15 minutes. You don't even breathe in that time period. It's just talk, 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 talk. It goes from subject number one to subject number two, three, four, five, six, sometimes seven. 15 minutes later, you haven't even finished the first thought. So focus, focus. We all have this this thing inside of us that we have to be reminded at times to focus. Have you ever been in a place where, you know, you, you were trying to take a really important picture, like at a wedding or at a birthday or at some kind of a holiday, and you got your camera out and you were going to take this special picture and it was going to be meaningful you, meaningful to you for a really long time, and then after you took it and the moment's over, you realize that the photo's blurry? Has that ever happened to you? Not so much with digital anymore, right? But with the old analog ones, wow, you could really foul something up in a big, bad hurry. How useful was that kind of photo? Not very useful. How meaningful was it? How rememberable was it, right? How energizing was it? How compelling was that blurry photo? It wasn't at all. In fact, it got thrown away. Very much like if your spiritual life is out of focus, See, if your spiritual life isn't focused, if your spiritual eyes aren't clearly gazing upon the clarity of your Christianity, then you're going to miss out on some great things. You're going to miss out on the excitement of knowing Jesus. Because when your Christianity isn't focused, it's fuzzy, you don't, you're grasping at truth, right? Your, your life is in a whirlwind. There's moments of your life where you're on target. There's moments of your life when you're not. When your life is blurry when it comes to Christ. When your life is blurry when it comes to living a biblical lifestyle. When your life is blurry, there's no way possible for you to be excited about Jesus. If you are, you have to stir it up on the inside of you, and it feels so fake at times. You get, you'll get fuzzy on the incredible heart that God has for you. And you'll walk as substandard compared to what God has for you. When your Christianity is blurry, when Jesus has lost the center of your focus, you'll lose the incredible heart that God has for you. I don't want that for you guys. 
You'll lose the hope that you have in the fact that, you know, God is for you. He's not against you. You start losing all of the critical things that cause you to become all that God wants you to be when your Christianity is blurry. So this morning, I want to help you focus. I want to help you focus on what really matters today. I want to help you focus in on the thing about our Christianity that matters more than anything else in all the world. Are you ready for this? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 This is what our focus should be on, that he, God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what our focus should be on. Our focus should be on that 24-7, 365 days a year, that Jesus, that through God, through God giving us Christ, him dying on the cross and resurrecting again, we have victory over sin and death. Now, you might not feel like you have victory in other areas of your life. There might be sickness that's coming against you. You might have a business that seems like it's failing. You might have a struggling marriage. You know, you you might have all kinds of things that are going wrong around you that you're praying that you're not getting an answer for. I can't tell you why you're not getting an answer. God knows the reason why. But I'll tell you this, everything that you're asking for victory for is temporal compared to the victory that God gives us through Christ, which is victory over sin and death. Victory over sin and death is what's going to cause you and me one day. If your hope is found in Christ, if Jesus is your Lord and your leader, you and me are going to spend eternity with God in heaven forever. And it won't matter on this earth whether you were sick. It won't matter on this earth whether, whether someone, you know, cracked, cracked your identity code and, uh, in, in, you know, destroyed your credit score. It won't matter at that moment. It won't matter, you know, with your, when your marriage was going through the rocks and it wasn't all put back together yet. It won't matter then because God's saying to you that victory has already been given to you through Christ. And it's the victory over sin and it's the victory over death. You and me can have a hope today that when this world is over, when this day is done, when you breathe your last breath, you have a hope that you don't die in a grave someplace and just rot away. But you have a hope that you will rise again and stand for eternity with Jesus Christ. That's something to be excited about. That's something to have hope in. Nothing else matters. Only that one thing matters. So Paul, when he's writing to the church in Corinth, he goes on and he says, he says this in verse 58, the very next one. He says, so, my dear brothers and sisters, so what? So in light of the victory that you have in Christ, so in light of the victory over sin and death, here's a few things that you need to be doing. Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, right? For you know that nothing that you do for the Lord is ever useless. In light of the fact that you and me have supreme victory over sin and death through Christ and him alone, not by any works that you've done so that you might boast, but through his grace and his mercy given to us freely by his death on the cross and his resurrection, stand strong and immovable. And work enthusiastically for the Lord. And realize that everything that you do matters in God's kingdom. So let me help break that down for a moment. Be strong and immovable in light of the victory. You know what he's talking about there? He's not talking about physical strength. He's not talking about some linebacker that can stand there and no matter what comes at him, boom, he just stands like a rock. He's not talking about that. He's talking about your mental state. Those words literally break down to your mental state. Be strong and immovable. 
have a core set values, beliefs, have a core set of doctrine in your heart that causes you to be strong and immovable. No matter what some politician says, right? No matter how some other Christian treats you, no matter what's going on in your personal life, no matter what prayers you're offering up to God that you don't feel like are being answered, be strong and immovable. That's the attitude he's going for. He's helping us to understand that that there's two different stances in life. You can stand and try to take something on, and when the brunt force of life hits you, guess what you're going to do? You're going to take a couple of steps back. Or you can sit, and you can grab hold of that chair, and when life comes, man, it, it hits you, and you, just, you stay stable, right? Because sitting is much more stable than just standing. And that's exactly the, the metaphor of this verse of this, these words, be strong and immovable. It literally means to sit down on your beliefs, hunker down on them, grab a hold of them, sit tightly upon them, right? Don't let anything take them away from you. Don't let anything in this world snatch the truth out of your heart. Be strong and immovable. In light of the fact that God's giving you victory over sin and death. Now, this isn't something new. This was written in the Bible a long time ago. But man, our parents, our grandparents, and our great-grandparents, they knew this truth. They knew it enough that there was this song that they used to sing that, that was sung in churches all across America, even around the world. My hope is built on nothing less. Anybody remember that? It starts like this. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. What a core conviction from the songwriter as he digs through Scripture and he tries to portray the truth of Scripture. My hope is built on nothing less. That Jesus was the rock. Jesus was the center. Jesus was the belief that they sat on, that they grabbed a hold of, that they said, it doesn't matter what happens. My hope is found in the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for me. And I'm not going sh- to move from it. I'm immovable on that statement. Enough that they go on to proclaim this as the, cor- as the chorus. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Is Christ your solid rock today? Is Christ the rock that you're standing on, or is Christ the crutch that you're leaning on? Is Christ the belief that's buried deep in your heart, or is Christ just the shallow covering of a sugary donut on the outside that makes you feel good and look good? Is Christ the hope that you've put your life in, or is Christ some savings account that you're hoping to dip into when troubled times come? Who is Christ to you today? Is Christ the solid rock on which I stand? I realize all the other ground is going to shift like sand, but on Christ the solid rock I stand. Well, it didn't end there. This writer was convicted. He went on to say these words. When darkness veils his, his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Don't you realize that darkness is going to come? Don't you realize there's going to be moments that just don't go your way? Don't you realize there's going to be things that happen that are out of your control? And if you let the darkness doom upon you and loom upon you and take you into that, that depressed state, that you're losing the hope. You're not standing strong and immovable. You're losing it. But we're supposed to realize that, 
This world isn't perfect. This world's going to bring tough times. It's going to feel like darkness creeps in and your eyes can't see Christ hardly anymore at all. But I have to realize that my anchor holds within that storm. It doesn't matter what storm rages or how dark it gets. Christ is still my rock. And that's why he turns around and say it with me. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground. All other ground. And then he goes on and he makes this statement. He said, his oath, God's oath, God's covenant and blood, they support me in the whelming flood. And when every earthly prop gives way, God, he, he then is all my hope and my stay. You feel like a flood has come in over your life? You feel like there's moments when you're just drowning in this world? You feel like there's moments when you're out to sea and you don't have any hope of how you're gonna get back, like you're all alone out there and the storm is just flooded all around you and you don't know where you're gonna go? You need to realize today, Christ is still your hope. That's what it means to stand strong and immovable. And no matter what comes against you, and therefore, right, the, the, the songwriter writes, he writes this, say it with me, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground. But that's not where he ends. Because he realizes it's not just about this world that I have to stand strong and immovable. And so he finishes it with, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may then in him be found, clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. That's what, that's what verse 57 means in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that my hope is found in the victory over sin and death. It's not found in the victory over whatever struggle you're facing today. It's found in the victory that God's already given through Christ right? And I'm waiting for that day when the trumpet sounds and I'm caught up to meet Christ in the air and I spend eternity with God in heaven. And today that can be your hope as well. But it has to start with you making Jesus the Lord and leader of your life. That's where hope starts. Hope in God doesn't come from just some mindset of you just going, I'm just going to pretend to believe it. It comes by sheer dedication. It comes by obedience. It comes from an attitude of surrender today. Today, your hope can be found in Christ. No matter whether the darkness comes against you or the flood comes against you or the, or the seas rage war against you, it doesn't matter what comes against you. Your hope can be found in Christ if you'll completely surrender your life and make Jesus the Lord and the leader. Are you with me today? That's where hope is found. Hope isn't found anywhere else. Hope wasn't found in your bank account. Hope wasn't found, you know, in your marriage. Hope isn't found in your children. True hope is only found in Christ and him alone. And then he makes all those other things worth living for. When 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, he says, So I also encourage you to do this. Work enthusiastically for the Lord. I mean, when someone is enthusiastic, is that the kind of person you want to be around? Yeah, yeah, it is, because authentic enthusiasm is contagious, right? It's exciting. It's, it's uncontainable. A person that's enthusiastic isn't the quiet person sitting in the corner someplace. The person that's enthusiastic isn't the downer, you know, to the party. 
The person that's enthusiastic about Christ is the one who's uncontainable. They're, they're the ones that people are just going, man, you're the life of this place. You're the one that, man, you, I love you. I love being around you. You excite me. You pull out the best in me. You make me want to go out there and love people like I've never loved them. You make me want to go out and tell people about Jesus like I've never told people about Jesus. Those are the kind of people that God's calling us to be. He's saying, I want you to be full. Be full of the hope that you find in the victory of Christ. And then let the world know it authentically by letting Jesus just come out of you. That's the kind of hope that we're supposed to bring to the world today when we step out and serve. That's the kind of hope that God's looking for when we step out and we go, God, we want to be your witness today. That's the hope that he's calling us to. And I really want to draw your attention to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, for I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm willing to be enthusiastic about it. Is that where you're at today? I hope that in your heart today you're going, God, I don't want to be ashamed of your gospel. I hope in your heart today you're going, God, I want to be authentically enthusiastic for you. Your word says that that's how I should live in light of the fact that my victory is found in Christ that my victory is found in God, that he's overcome sin and death. I should be enthusiastic about it. Yeah, step out and try it every once in a while. It's actually kind of fun. Why do you think that people hire auctioneers to come in and sell things? They're enthusiastic. Why do you think they talk so fast? Why do you think they get in such a cadence? Why do you think they raise their voice and lower it? Why do they think they go, like, why do you think people get into it and they're like, yep, yep. It's mine. 50. Five. You know, why? Now, I'm not being the auctioneer because I can't do that. Hey, I know somebody that can do it, but I didn't want to invite them up here because I don't want them to overshadow the enthusiasm that's here. Why do you think an auctioneer gets called and it gets people fired up, man? It gets people charged up. People end up spending more money on an item than they ever should. It makes more money for the landowner. It makes more money, you know, for the person that's selling out everything. Yeah, and you know what? It's actually kind of fun when you're there, isn't it? Yes. And you look across that room and someone else is bidding on the same thing that you are, and you're like, you are not going to take this from me. I don't care if I pay $100 more than what I can go buy it off the shelf. It's mine, baby. I will not be shut down in front of this crowd of people. You get enthusiastic about it, and you get into it. That's the, kind of, uh, that's the kind of enthusiasm God wants you to have out in the world. It doesn't matter what opposition comes against me. I'm going to stand strong and preach the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what someone says about me. I'm still going to love people the same way I was supposed to love them in the first place. It doesn't matter what storm and what darkness comes. I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to be enthusiastic about Jesus. I'm telling you, the people that have changed your life the most are the ones that were authentically enthusiastic, and when troubled times come, they still had a great attitude. And you looked at them, and you wondered to yourself, how is that possible? And you wanted to know what was, what was living on the inside of them, right? So here's a couple of thoughts. Every once in a while, remind your face that Jesus is your Lord. Will you do that? There's a couple of thoughts for you. Yeah. I just practice right now. Just smile right now. Just smile. It, it actually does wonderful things for you, okay? Just smile every once in a while. Cut loose every once in a while and give yourself the freedom to be enthusiastic about God. 
Let me tell you the best place for that to start, right here in one of our auditoriums called New Life. Whether you worship in the main auditorium, or you worship out in North Platte, or you worship down in the venue, be enthusiastic about God. Every once in a while, practice clapping. Every once in a while, practice raising your hands. Every once in a while, practice opening your mouth and actually being a part of what's happening. Right? Be enthusiastic every once in a while. There you go. There you go. Right. I think you're catching on. At least your hands have been reminded about it. Don't forget to remind your face every once in a while. Happy hands. All right. You guys have nothing to be ashamed of. Romans, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Right? Jesus is alive, my friends. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Jesus is sitting on the throne. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Jesus is the king. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Jesus is coming back. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Jesus is your Lord and your leader. You have nothing to be ashamed of. And in the end, he has the ultimate victory. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing. Man, I think you're finally getting it. The third thing that verse 58 said was that nothing done for God is useless. Nothing, go- nothing done out of a heart that's centered on Christ is useless. That means this. Every minute that you serve God is a minute that God maximizes. Every minute, men and women, that you went out to North Platte and you served, and those of you that are sitting out in North Platte right now, every minute that you serve, every minute that those of you that are going to go step out and serve today, every minute of your time, God maximizes. Every time you volunteer, God makes the most of it. Every time you step out and serve, you're giving God the opportunity to maximize your life so that it makes the most influence on the world around you. That's what God wants to do. God maximizes your life by coupling your efforts with the Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit comes in and it moves on the surroundings around you in ways you don't even know. He moves upon hearts in ways that you, you couldn't even dream and or even pray about. God uses your life to influence the world. When you're Christ-centered, you're going, God, I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to get out, and I'm going to love people. God maximizes it every minute of it. I know some of you have felt like some of your efforts that you've done for God's kingdom have fallen flat. And maybe in earthly terms, they have. Maybe in man's terms, they have. You know, maybe in some leader's terms, they came to you and they said, it's just not working. I understand that. But what you need to know today is that every ounce of your effort mattered to God. Let me tell you the reason why. The reason why is found in Matthew chapter 28. Take a look at this. It says that Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Why does every minute of your service to God as a Christ-centered believer matter? Because Jesus has been given complete authority. Not part, not a piece of it, 
but he's been given all of it. And what you need to know today is that Jesus didn't have to go fight anyone to get that authority. Jesus didn't have to go whine to anybody to get that authority. Jesus didn't have to go and compete against anyone to get that authority. It was given him. By who? By his father. All authority has been given to Jesus by his father. Guess what? It's the same father who sent Jesus to give you victory over sin and death. The same one who made the promise. The same one who followed through with Christ and says, now all authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. Reign and rule is the same one who's carrying out his promise today. And when he's saying, I have given you victory over sin and death, it's the same promise. Let me help explain it. Maybe a different way for a moment. Anybody remember the, the old, the little children's um, story about Rumpelstiltskin? Anybody remember that? I had to actually go look it up because I forgot. But the thought occurred to me, this little story about this, you know, not true character, Rumpelstiltskin, what was, what was his power? What, what was one of the things... What was one of the things that he was able to do? He was able to take straw and turn it into? Now let's just pretend for a moment that you, everything you touch with your hands turns into gold. How many things would you touch? You would touch everything, wouldn't you? You would, you would try not to touch your spouse who you love, but eventually, boom, they're going to turn into gold. You're going to touch Everything You're just going to go around. You're going to touch cars. You're going to touch pews, right? You're going to touch um, anything you can get your hands on. And it's going to turn into gold. That would be incredible, right? One of the things you need to know because all authority has been given to Jesus is that everything Jesus touches is turning into kingdom gold. Why? Because all authority has been given to him. This makes all of your Christ-centered efforts, Right? All of your Christ-centered efforts, Jesus is coming along and he's going, boom, turn that into gold. Boom, turn that into gold. Turn it into gold. Turn it into something that's meaningful. Turn it into something that's powerful. Turn it into something that's, you know, amazing. Turn it into something that transforms lives. Turn it into something that, you know, makes a difference for God's kingdom. I'm turning into something that matters. Every time you do something out of the heart that goes, God, you're my Lord, you're my master, you're my savior, Jesus is coming along and he's touching it and it's turning into gold. So do all that you can today to spend yourself out in our communities loving Jesus. Give it all out there. Give it all out there because whatever, whatever you're touching, Jesus is going, I'm going to turn it into gold. I'm going to make a difference with it. You paint a fence, I'm going to make a difference with it in the kingdom. You dig a hole, I'm going to make a difference with it. You know, you, you go and you repair some yard work, I'm going to make a difference with it. You go and you scrape paint off of something, I'm going to make a difference with it. Trust God that he's going to do something beyond what you can see, beyond what you can smell, beyond what you can touch, beyond your senses, that God's going to do something because he is going to use it in a powerful way. And let me say something to others of you. Others of you have been asked to serve. You've been asked to give it all. You've been asked to be a part of a ministry. And your response was the nice Christianese thing, like, I'm gonna, let me go pray about it. Stop praying, start doing Whoa, that's not what I've been told before. Yeah, because you're using it as an excuse. Stop praying and start doing. 
And God will start turning things into gold as you start serving and you give the best that you can. Step out and serve because we serve a God who makes every one of your efforts useful. Amen? Amen. So today, we're going to celebrate Jesus. Today, we're going to stand in this place in a few moments, and we're going to stand out in North Platte, and we're going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to celebrate the fact that God's alive. We're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus is on the throne. We're going to celebrate the fact that every effort that we give is an effort that God turns into gold. We're going to stand in a moment, and we're going to celebrate God. We're going to lift our voices up, and we're going to be enthusiastic about the fact that Jesus has all authority, that Jesus is the king, and that through through Christ, we've been given the victory over the thing that matters the most, sin and death. And we're going to stand in a moment with a heart. And I'm going to challenge you to be strong and immovable. Don't let anything around you distract you. Stand and with enthusiasm inside of your heart. Give the best that you have to God. And realize that the best you have to give to God, God's using it to maximize his kingdom. Let's pray. Why don't you stand with me? So, Father, we come before you today. We trust that you're at work beyond what we can see, beyond what we can touch, beyond what we can feel. You're at work, God, beyond those things. We're trusting that, Lord, as we worship you, you'll, Lord, you'll receive this worship as a pleasing offering to you. That, Lord, you'll use our worship to advance your kingdom in our hearts, to advance it in our community. That, Lord, as we go and we serve over these next few hours in communities around Nebraska, that as we serve, God, that you will use every effort of our sacrifice, every effort of our energy, and you'll use it to advance your kingdom. Lord, I pray for our congregation called New Life. No matter where they're at today, I pray for them, God, that they would be strong and immovable. I pray that the weapon of the enemy that comes against them to kill, steal, and destroy would fall flat. That inside of their heart and inside of their mind, Jesus is Lord, and there's nothing that's going to remove that. That there's an excitement about God, and there's nothing that's going to remove that. Lord, I pray that, Lord, the church of new life will be contagious in its communities. That as we go out and we serve, that our enthusiasm for Christ would naturally flow out of us. And the world would know that we love God. And the world would know that Jesus is on the throne. And the world would know that Jesus is alive. Lord, I pray that you would use every effort that we have, every Christ-centered thing we do, you would use it to advance your kingdom in our day. So, Lord, we come to you with that belief. We come to you trusting that. We come to you today, and we're going to lift up our worship to you. And we're going to celebrate you before we ever walk out of these doors to serve you in our community. May you have your way today. May you be glorified through our worship. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's worship him.